from the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, for this fourth Sunday of Lent, March 14th, 2021. We are so glad you have decided to worship with us. UMCWV is a family of faith centered upon the love and grace of God, which we believe sustains and renews us and leads us towards lives that spread peace and justice. You are welcome here among us. It's hard to imagine that a year ago, tomorrow was the last time we were together worshiping in the sanctuary. We had our ivory and gold concert that afternoon and, and that was it for occupying our sanctuary for any kind of event. We are hoping next Sunday, maybe not to be inside, but to be on campus again. Our intentions will be to continue live streaming our worship service at, at 10 a.m. as we are today, yet also to uh, recommence filming outside on our campus like we did last fall. For those who wish to gather safely, we ask that you follow our protocols. And so remember, that gathering together includes mask wearing, maintaining the physical distance of six feet from non-family members, certifying your good health status, and of course, bringing your own lawn chair or blanket for sitting. Now, we, we took a look outside this morning as we were about to begin worship, and there's still dew on the grass, so you might want to be thinking more lawn chairs than blankets at this point of year. Also, you'll need to register your intention to join us in person next Sunday. And you can do that by going online at our website and clicking on the tab designated for that purpose or paying attention to the e-blasts that come out from the main office. One of them during the week will be about registering for worship. We're looking forward, if you feel comfortable, to having you join us outside for worship next Sunday. All right, then, as we move into our time of worship, I invite you to hear some thoughts from Kathy Loeb, our mission chairperson, on UMCOR, which is our mission moment for this month. Mandatory evacuation for zone It's tropical cyclone Deneu, and it's expected to become... This is by far worse than any I've seen. There's an old definition of a disaster, and that's to be without a star. And the thing that happens many times after disasters is that the power goes out in some places, and people can actually see the stars. But they can also see the stars in one another. Peace that would pass his understanding, and with leadership that would guide people through their time of need. UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, is the disaster and the development uh, arm of the whole United Methodist Church. When you give to UMCOR, you give 100% to the project you are supporting and to the disaster you want to respond to. This is only possible because on UMCOR Sunday, the United Methodist people raise funds so that the administrative costs of UMCOR are already covered. 
Well, UMCOR, of course, responds to emergencies with funding, training, and expertise. But we're mostly known for being in it for the long haul. Uh, we work alongside the conferences as they set up projects and programs to try to see families and individuals through to their recovery, which sometimes takes months and most often years. We're very busy, we're a very small team, but we work hard then. UMCOR exists because of the donation of its members, it's the UMC people. So if there is a million people giving a $1 each, it makes more than one person giving 10,000. UMCOR has been for more than 75 years in this business of being hope, of being there for people in need in the moment of disaster when they have lost everything. And through AMCOR, the United Methodist people are hope in these situations. You know, walls are coming down, um, people are, are coming together. And they don't have power yet, but they're still finding ways to feed each other. And that feeds the soul, not just the body. Lift up those who have fallen. What a privilege it is to be part of this important ministry, the United Methodist Church, to be able to say we're there, we bring hope, and we bring healing. As people are helping their neighbor and helping each other in their community, they begin to see that the love of God has not left them. It's right there. So UMCOR wants to support that wonderful thing that can happen after disasters. UMCOR wants to be there with the people who are noticing the stars in one another, and they're noticing God's grace all around them. For more than 50 years, United Methodist congregations have been taking part in a special offering laying the foundation for United Methodist Committee on Relief's Ministry of Relief and Hope. UMCOR has been at work for 80 years alleviating human suffering around the world, which includes disaster relief and supplies, disaster risk reduction, health and humanitarian development. Gifts to UMCOR Sunday uh, cover the costs of doing business. This helps UMCOR keep the promise that 100% of any gift you give to a specific UMCOR project will go towards that project and the people in need not administrative costs. UMCOR has no source of revenue for administration except for UMCOR Sunday. The fourth Sunday of Lent has been designated as UMCOR Sunday. This year that happens to be today. The Missions Committee recognizes the importance of this special offering and has made UMCOR Sunday our mission of the month for March. Please join Methodists everywhere in participating in this special offering that supports UMCOR's vital work. From training volunteers to warehousing and transporting supplies to keeping the office lights on. This month's special offering equips UMCOR to respond quickly on your behalf to communities that are impacted by disaster. Help spread Jesus' love and compassion. You can give by sending your check to our church, making it payable to United Methodist Church of Westlake Village and writing UMCOR Mission of the Month on the memo line. Or 
donate online at the church website. Thank you very much. Today we continue with our sermon series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We have looked at the Beatitudes, the Torah extensions, Jesus' thoughts on practicing piety, and we've looked at the Lord's Prayer line by line to process what Jesus might be teaching us all the way through. Now we turn to finding our treasure, assessing where our treasure is stored, and what might make us spiritually rich. Our hopes are that this will allow us to grow in our connection with God and continue to shape us into being kingdom people. Will you join me in prayer? Bountiful and generous God, we thank you for giving us this time together to read and reflect and worship on Jesus's teachings. May your spirit help us treasure his word so that we may grow richer in faith toward you and in love toward others. Amen. Good morning, children. I want to invite you to come close to your screens, whether it's a TV or a computer or a phone or a tablet, so that we can be together, close as possible, during this time. Our theme for this month, our our faith word for Celebrate Wonder, is remember. And we are invited to find ways to remember and connect our faith to our lives. We talked about if we were going to prepare a meal for someone, what would be the things that you would provide for someone that you love to let them know how important they are to you and make them feel special? Now, in our house, my kids would either choose serving everyone In-N-Out hamburgers or pizza or possibly long grain and wild rice. Not all together at the same time, but some combination of those three things to, because those are their favorite things. Those are our favorite meals in our house. And we want people to know that as they come to be with us, that we want to share our favorites with them and let them know how important our loved ones are and how important these meals are for us. 
We talked about meals because of the fact that we talked about communion in our Celebrate Wonder curriculum. Now, if I were writing the curriculum, I would have had that be for last week, so it lined up with the fact that we were having communion and worship, but I don't get to write the curriculum. I just get to share it with you. So, but it's nice to take a moment to think about how meals have significance. Jesus was at a Passover meal, remembering the history of the Jewish people and how they were able to be freed from captivity in Egypt. And it is an opportunity, it was an opportunity for them to gather, to sit down, to talk. And then Jesus took the things that were on the table, the unleavened bread and the wine, and made it a special moment for them, made it so that the disciples would remember more clearly what God and what Jesus was all about on this earth, coming to the world to be broken for us so that we might have new life. Now, when you prepare a meal for your family members, that's not necessarily what you're saying to them, but you are saying, you are special to me, you are important to me, and I hope that you remember this meal, and I hope you remember the relationship that we have together. So I have a challenge for you this week. As you go throughout the week, find a day where you can prepare a meal for your family. It doesn't have to be complicated, it doesn't have to be complex, but a way to share with your family how special they are to you and that you want them to remember you and that you will remember them and the love that you share together. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us opportunities to remember. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us center ourselves and go to God in prayer. Holy God, hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We need your special touch in our lives to give us strength and courage, healing, and renewed life. We begin with confessing that there are times we have been less than you have wished, 
saying words or doing deeds that reflect more our fallen nature than our higher one with you. Hear now our private prayers of confession. May your grace wash us clean and strengthen our resolve to walk better in your love hereafter. We ask your help with the many concerns of our daily lives, as well as the ongoing challenges we are experiencing from life in these pandemic days and times of social political turmoil. Help us embrace the ideals of justice and freedom so central to our nation's identity and our citizens' well-being. And those powerful ethical imperatives of Christ Jesus to which we aspire through our faith. Guide us in these days ahead to be our best selves, to help us live authentically and consequentially as disciples of Christ Jesus. We pray for those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, with troubled relationships, uncertain employment, or other forms of dis-ease and discomfort. This morning we think specifically of Sonny Benjamin as she acclimates to her pacemaker and considers future residency plans with her family. Charlene Sundgren, who is recovering from a spinal fracture surgery. friends and family of Pat Smith who mourn her recent passing. Peggy Donovan's father, Cliff Montgomery, who is now on hospice. Jim Lawson's daughter as she continues to face her growing cancer challenges. And Linda Northrup, who continues to heal well from her cancer surgery and treatments. All those whose health is compromised by the COVID virus, may they return to better health and all those who serve on the front lines in our health facilities to manage the real-life consequences of this pandemic, day in and day out. Help them, Lord, to carry on at their best. 
we think of these people and others who we lift up privately in our thoughts now. Come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerful way that helps these folks and circumstances that we have mentioned privately to be affected by your healing and supporting grace. We also pray, Lord God, for our church as we continue in our ministries through these most challenging times. We ask your help in maintaining our effectiveness and vitality so the good work you intend to have happen through us indeed does occur and uplifts those needed souls. May it all be pleasing in your sight. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. More love to Thee, O Christ, more love to Thee. Hear Thou the prayer I make on from Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Tracy. I kind of feel like we can go home and she's already preached the sermon for us, but I, I wrote something, so I might as well do it. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, thank you for these opportunities that we've had to learn from Jesus' words up on the mountainside where he taught us what it is to be kingdom people, seeking to experience heaven here on earth and to know what it means to live in your light and glory. This day, help us to explore where our treasures are and how we might benefit from having our focus set on you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Pastor Walt said in his opening words, it's been a year since we were gathered together inside this sanctuary to be able to worship together. A lot has changed in that year. I remember that morning a year ago and how we were still so uncertain but, but wondering how things would unfold. We thought it would be a few weeks. It's been a year and we have changed. We have reprioritized. We have been given this opportunity to reflect on and to evaluate what is most important to us, what truly our treasure is, and how we might honor that treasure more fully. Today's section of the Sermon on the Mount that we're looking at is Matthew 6, 19 through 7, 5. There's a lot of fruitful, meaty information in this section, and I doubt that I'll cover all of it. So I'd encourage you to go back and read that at some point and to reflect on it for yourselves. As we were analyzing how this section went together, and as we were researching through Amy Jill Levine's books, it really came into focus that this whole breadth of material is Jesus's teaching on wealth, treasure, and stuff. These teachings um, help Jesus's followers to recognize priorities and define the treasures that await. I was inspired as I was researching and thinking about this sermon to pose a question on Facebook. And usually when I ask these questions, I get three to five, maybe if I'm lucky, ten responses. In 36 hours, I got 47 responses to my question. And I guess maybe it's because it wasn't a question. It was more of a request. I asked for those that were reading my post to free associate their response to three words. What came to their mind? And I promised that there'd be no judgment, no censoring on my part, and I hoped that that would be true on their part as well. And the three words that I asked for people to reflect on were wealth, treasure, and stuff. I was impressed and humbled by the responses that came. Most of them, actually all of them were thought-provoking, some of them a little silly, but all heartfelt and gave me pause. One of the silly ones, I love this one, it came from one of my former youth who said, wealth is how we talk about money today. Treasure is how pirates talk about money. 
and stuff is how kids talk about money. I think that's pretty accurate as she is actually a a children's hospital chaplain at the moment. But we had so many great, thoughtful responses. Sally Davidson from our church said, I think that wealth, I think of wealth as a goal of love, of spirit, of happiness. Treasure is in the eye of the beholder, and stuff is what gets in the way. Carol Ames said that wealth is having enough for non-essentials, not only necessities, and to help others. Treasures, faith, family, and friends, making memories, and stuff is the accumulated possessions and clutter. I'm just highlighting some of these. I could go on for days with the responses that I got. One of my friends from high school said, said similar things that were said, but when she got to stuff, she said, the endless piles, pardon my French, of crap that pile up in my house. We are always accumulating stuff, but it never brings happiness, just stress and waste. Ugh. Peggy Donovan said that wealth is good health and soul. Treasure is family and dear friends. Stuff is some sentimental memories and some just junk that needs to be purged. Nancy Moravec said, wealth for me is a spiritual matter, however, or wealth for me is a spiritual matter, however, to some it is money and possession. Treasure for me is where my heart is. It speaks to who I am and what I value. Stuff to me is neither wealth nor treasure. Rather, it is an accumulation of things that simply occupy space. And I'm recognizing as I'm reading these that I'm listing all of the women's posts. And I apologize for that. I will go back and find some men's posts for you at another point, but I think that that has to do with the fact that most of the posts came from my female friends, so I will find some for you at a later point. Um, But Jane Chapman wrote this. Some interesting categories. Wealth is what brings genuine satisfaction, deep peace of mind, nothing to do with things or material wealth. Treasure is All that matters finally. Again, nothing material. Stuff is all the rest. Now, it seems to me by reading these to you and reflecting on these posts that were provided to me that we are on the right path. We have internalized some of what Jesus has been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and that we have had the opportunity to to grow and to explore. But the truth is, is that It's not always easy. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we fall. Jesus has set a high bar for us to strive for in being kingdom people. And Jesus continues to teach and educate and encourage us to take that one step, two step, three steps forward to becoming closer to who God desires us to be. This part of the sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, we will explore the five ways that Jesus instructs his disciples to seek true treasure. Faithful fasting, serving God rather than mammon or wealth, taking care for what we see, avoiding worry, and avoiding judgmentalism. Those are some pretty tall things to, to address. 
So faithful fasting, you may be saying, Rachel, you preached on fasting two weeks ago. It's back in our topic for today. Yes, it is. Because we talked about last week, the display that we, or two weeks ago, the display that we put on with fasting. Are we doing it for others' recognition? Are we doing it in relation to our relationship with God? And Jesus is encouraging us to recognize that fasting can help us find true treasure. It can be a way to appreciate what we have, to exercise self-control, to experience community, and to show solidarity with those who are hungry, and also to protest injustice. There's many ways that we can utilize fasting to help us grow and see what our treasures are, to see where we are in excess and where we can let go. But there's a reality that there's healthy fasting and there's unhealthy fasting. For those of us that are are food instable or food insecure, the idea of fasting is not something that will necessarily give those lessons that I talked about because it's a reality that if you don't know where food is coming from, letting go of a meal is rather hard to do. And if fasting at some point becomes the encouragement or the justification for an eating disorder, then fasting is not the right thing for us, for that individual. We want fasting to help us grow closer to God and to help us to grow in who we are, as opposed to fasting being something that does harm to our bodies and allows us to to hurt the temple that God has given to us. Fasting is a great tool in and of itself, but only as long as it helps us to nurture those really good and important things in our lives. Jesus then talks about serving two masters. And when he talks about serving two masters in the original form of, um, of his language, he would have used the word maman, which is an unfamiliar term to us. But it means all of our stuff and sounds almost like another god or idol. The truth is, is that we can make our stuff, our accumulated things, more important than our relationship with God. And we need to find the way in which we can find that balance. Our NRSV version of the Bible translates the word maman into wealth, and that kind of limits the understanding. Um, because the Aramaic term mammon comes from the uh, comes from a word which means trust or reliance. Hence the irony: one cannot rely on, cannot trust stuff. Jesus is talking about stuff, stuff that can be destroyed by human and natural forces, stuff that be, can be stolen, banks can fail. Stuff can be ruined by moths and termites, rust and rot. Stuff cannot ultimately protect us, and we cannot ultimately protect it. Jesus is saying, according to Amy Jill Levine, that those who store up treasures on earth will have proportionately fewer treasures in heaven. But those who know that life is more than stuff, who give rather than take, get a heavenly reward. More, they have peace on earth, for their heart 
is appropriately inclined not toward food, not towards death, but toward God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And there one finds one's treasure. Then Jesus moves on to a section about the lamp of the body. And it's interesting because back in biblical times, it was believed that light was projected out of our eyes. And we, don't, we, we recognize that our, our eyes take in light and interpret things through light now as we've, we've learned uh, medically what's going on. But there is truth that if our eye is healthy, our whole body will be full of light. And if our eye is unhealthy, our whole body is unhealthy, is potentially unhealthy as well. I tried to send my husband a text message to ask his permission to tell the story, and hopefully he won't get mad at me for this. But he went to go get his eyes checked a few years ago. And as he was getting his eyes evaluated, his eye doctor said, is it possible that you have diabetes? They could tell that in his eyes. That floored me. There is truth that our eyes are very much windows to our bodies, to our well-being, and who we are. So as we take care of our eyes, we are taking care of our whole selves as well. And what we see in the world is transformed, and how we function in the world is changed. The image of the eye as a lamp asks us, Are we looking through narrowed brows or bright eyes? Are we cringing and scowling? Are we excited and joyful for what is to come? Jesus finally asks us to look and to attend to what we see. On what will our gaze alight? The question prepares us for the next section, where we will not look to stuff that only we own, but stuff we possess. But, or the stuff that we possess, but to the lilies and the ravens, because we transition into a section about do not worry. Okay, and let's be honest about this. Most of us worry. The question is, do we let the worry overtake us? Do we let the worry overwhelm us? Or do we have coping mechanisms so that we can address the worry and continue on with our day? The scripture invites us to remember that we have enough on our plate for this day. So we don't need to stress about what is to come. Now we can prepare, we can and try to be ready, but not to the point that we are overwhelmed by it, that we get so weighed down by what might happen that we don't experience what is happening in the here and now. When we let worry become something that that dictates the whole way that we live, we don't get to find that joy. We don't get to find that peace. We don't get to see the ways that God is inviting us to see the blessings that are all around us. The truth is, is that treasure cannot be found in food. Treasure cannot be found in clothing. But treasure can be found in the ways in which we live our lives. We are reminded that our jobs include the sowing, the reaping, the harvesting, the textile manufacturing, and so on. But we can learn from the simplicity of the lilies and the birds that we know that life is not forever and that 
Not only can we look, but we can consider the ways in which they live in the world, not stressed about what is to come next, but experiencing the blessings that are around them. The last thing that Jesus encourages us to do is to not judge. This passage is one that I heard a lot in youth group programming. I don't know if that meant that our youth group was really judgy or if this was something that our youth leaders felt was really important for us to remember. This is the passage that reminds us that before we take the speck out of someone else's eye, we address the log in our own eye. And this is something that is about our attitude and our action, about going outward and introspection, the alignment of our body and our spirit. This section is one that reminds us that we have our own work to do. We have blind spots that we need to attend to, and we need to deal with ourselves before we can deal with someone else. That's not to say that we shouldn't support someone if they're struggling, but we need to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. We need to make sure that we're doing it without any contempt, any jealousy, any pettiness or hatred in our spirits as we are talking to someone. We can attempt to remove the speck because it is a sign of love to engage in helping through correction. But it is a sign of hypocrisy when we correct others, we correct in others the faults that we allow to fester in ourselves. That's a quote from um, our devotional book, as a matter of fact. When we address the logs in our own eyes, we are recognizing that it is hard. Sometimes we take that log out and before too long, we are back to the ways of living that we were before. And we re when we recognize how difficult it is for us, we can recognize that it could be difficult for others as well. Levine says, finding the treasure sometimes requires withholding the easy judgmentalism in to which we are all tempted. It means offering constructive rather than destructive criticism when criticism is needed. It means discerning when to speak and when to be silent. It means bringing light into a situation rather than heat. In my Thursday morning discussion of our Lenten book, we've been talking about the difference between calling in or calling back as opposed to calling out. And what does it mean to do things in, in healthy and helpful ways as opposed to ways that are incendiary. We know that we don't want to be judged by the things that we that we have done wrong by the things that may be the worst thing that we've ever done. And if we don't want to be judged that way, then we need to make sure that we're not judging others that way. <sighs> Jesus gave us a tall order in this, in this section of the Sermon of the Mount. In these verses, we have been challenged to think about how we live in the world and truly what is our treasure, our relationships, our connection with the divine, our connections with God, or the things that we accumulate around us. I think that God has, has set the bar really high. That's a term that Levine uses quite often. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a passage from Romans 12, 1 through 2, and I'm going to read it to you from the message. 
because I think this sums it up relatively well. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The Sermon on the Mount is all about well-formed maturity how we live in the world, and how we seek to be kingdom people. The bar that Jesus sets for us is similar to the high bar that the Torah set for our Jewish brothers and sisters. For the life in the kingdom of heaven is so important and something that we strive for each and every day. So my question for you as we prepare to complete this message today is which of the five things that I listed for you um, are the things, which of the five ways of finding true treasure that I listed for you in this sermon seems like the highest bar for you and why? And more importantly, what specific ways will you practice living into the kingdom this week? What will you focus on, even if it's just one of the five tenets, so that you might just take that one step that takes you and all of us closer to the kingdom? Will you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, ever guide us and strengthen us to seek first the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness so that we may receive from God's open hands all true treasure as well as for the sake of Jesus, our teacher and Lord. Amen. You are invited to share your resources via the instructions that will appear momentarily on the screen there in front of you to help support the ministries of God in Christ that happen through the good folk of this congregation. Your generosity is needed to keep us going in our partnership with God in this good work to do the good that we are able to do on behalf of God to our friends and our neighbors. So give, please, generously and be a part of what happens in people's lives through the people of the congregation of the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village.
Well, friends, we've come to the end of our worship service, and it's been one that has challenged us to reflect on our treasures, where we store them, and what is most significant to us. I hope that this week we continue to wrestle with and explore what it means to store our treasures in heaven. And so I hope that this day you remember that rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth in love, confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you in love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day as you continue to venture out as kingdom people. Amen. Jesus.